Welcome to the I'm Still Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow. I've been reading and studying the Bible my entire life, but I still have a lot of questions, and I'm still learning what it means. Each episode, we will take a look at what the Bible has to say and what it means to us today. Well, here we are at episode 18, which I'm calling A Letter from an Old Friend. Throughout this study of the New Testament book of Philippians, I will be using the New Living Translation of the Bible for my scripture references. If you don't already own a copy of the NLT, you can always find it on the Bible app or Bible Gateway or several other free Bible resources. I hope you'll read along with the studies as we proceed. Anyway, here we go. Episode 18, A Letter from a Dear Friend. The short four-chapter book of Philippians has been called the Epistle of Joy. The word epistle is a formal word that means letter. So if you ever hear a preacher or a Bible teacher refer to the Pauline epistles, it's just a fancy way of saying the letters that Paul wrote. There are 13 letters that Paul wrote in our New Testament. They were written to different churches he had planted in his three missionary journeys. The cities where he chose to plant churches were strategically selected. They would be located at an important crossroads or seaport to reach a broad spectrum of people. The idea was that when the churches were established, they would send out workers to take the message to the surrounding areas. Philippi met Paul's criteria for a place to establish a church. It was home to gold and silver mines, and as a result, it was a commercial center. It was named after Philip, the father of Alexander the Great, and was a city on the Roman road system. These roads were built to allow Roman troops to move quickly to any part of the empire to establish or restore order whenever necessary. Philippi was a staging point for Roman troops and so it was a political center. Being a Roman colony meant that they would have spoken the Roman language and that they would have engaged in Roman customs and practices, so it was also a cultural center. Philippi was located in the northeast part of what is modern-day Greece, and it served as a control point for the passage between Europe and Asia. A church in Philippi would have encountered people from all over the world and from every conceivable background. It was truly a melting pot of ethnic and economic diversity. The church in Philippi had a special bond of affection with Paul. Every church that Paul established respected him and recognized him as a spiritual father with apostolic authority. But there was genuine affection between the Philippians and Paul. This will become clear as we dig into this letter. But just because we believe that the Holy Spirit led Paul to plant a church in Philippi, and just because the folks there loved him well, it doesn't mean that everything went smoothly. Sometimes we get the idea that if we are in God's will, then everything will fall into place, and if we encounter difficulty, it's because we have strayed from God's plan for us. But that just isn't right. Let's look at the account of Paul's conversion as is recorded in Acts chapter 9. After his encounter with God on the road to Damascus, the Lord sent a believer named Ananias to deliver a word from the Lord to Saul. 
Remember that while he was living as an Orthodox Jew, he went by the Jewish version of his name, which was Saul. After he became the apostle to the Gentiles, he used the Roman version of his name, which was Paul. The Lord spoke to Ananias and said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Did you catch that last sentence? God's plan for Paul, yes, included meeting with kings, and it also included suffering. So God's perfect will for Paul included triumphs and tribulations. And man, did he ever experience suffering. The plan that the Lord laid out for Paul did not make him a rock star, but it did put him in the path of rocks being thrown at him. According to Acts chapter 16, which tells of Paul's arrival in Philippi, there are three conversions recorded, and they show very nicely that neither Paul's ministry efforts nor the gospel itself is limited in its reach to change the lives of people from every ethnicity and economic position. The first one mentioned is a lady named Lydia, who was a dealer in high-end clothing. She would have been a member of the upper crust of Philippi, and Scripture says that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. She became a benefactor to Paul and his entourage by giving them a place to stay. Next, we encounter a woman who was an enslaved person. She had a spirit that gave her the ability to predict the future. We do not know her name or her nationality. She was of unknown origin and would have represented the lowest class of individual. Under Roman law, she wasn't even considered a person. Everything about her life was subject to the whims of her owners, and her owners weren't really concerned about any of that. But they did enjoy the money she made for them by predicting the future. Something about the presence of Paul and his friends must have agitated that spirit in her because she would follow them around and constantly shout that these men were servants of the Most High God and were telling people how to be saved. Eventually, Paul turned to her and commanded in the name of Jesus Christ for the Spirit to leave her. It did immediately, and she was delivered of her spirit. But her owners were also delivered of their money-making by capitalizing on her enslavement, and they started a lot of trouble for Paul. Paul and his friends were arrested, beaten, and thrown into the most secure area of the jail. Around midnight, Paul and his co-minister Silas decided to have a night of worship. They began to pray and sing hymns to God. They had the other prisoners as listeners. Suddenly, there was an earthquake that shook loose every cell door and chain. When the jailer saw what was going on, he knew that if the prisoners didn't kill him, the government officials would have him executed for letting the prisoners escape. So he drew his sword to kill himself. Paul stopped him, saying that no one had escaped. The jailer knew that this wasn't normal and asked what he must do to be saved. The jailer and his whole family were filled with joy when they came to believe in God. This jailer and his family would represent the ordinary working-class person. So in a few verses, we see the rich, the poor, and the ordinary all coming to Christ because Paul faithfully followed the path that God had set before him. Lydia's salvation brought comfort, friendship, and resources. 
The woman with the unclean spirit salvation caused a beating in jail time. But without that happening, it is uncertain if the jailer and his family would have ever heard or heeded the message of salvation. So the suffering actually provided an opportunity for salvation of another. You know, we should never question the way God works in our lives. Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9 tell us, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I often say that instead of viewing God through the lens of our experiences, we should view our experiences through the lens of God. If we view God through the lens of our experiences, we see God's opinion of us shifting minute by minute. One minute we're blessed and highly favored because someone opened up a parking spot right in front of the store and we were able to pull right in. But a few minutes later, God must be mad at us because a runaway shopping cart gouged a deep scratch in our fender. But when we view our experiences through our relationship with God, we take each experience as an opportunity to represent Christ well, and we leave the results to Him, trusting in His goodness and His power. Ultimately, Paul had to leave Philippi because the folks who were mad at him over ruining their fortune-telling business caused such a stink. So Paul left to continue his missionary efforts, but the church went on. They continued to stay in touch and sent him gifts of money and supplies from time to time. They sent people to bring him encouragement. If you've lived any time at all, you have had experiences where a person or group of people have had a special place in your heart. Even if years or miles separate you, you are still connected. A call, a text, a card or letter from them will always bring a bright spot into a day that might have seemed dark just before. That kind of relationship is a true blessing, and Paul benefited greatly by the friends he had in Philippi. His letter to the Philippians expressed his gratitude to them. I said at the beginning of this episode that the letter to the Philippians has been called the Epistle of Joy. It may well be the happiest book of the entire Bible, Again and again, the words joy and rejoice appear. It is hopeful and humble. Unlike his letters to other churches, there is no topic that requires his rebuke or correction. Throughout the letter, he encourages them to love one another and to do nothing with selfish motives. He reminds them to do everything they can do without grumbling or arguing. He wants them to keep the main things the main things and not to be sucked into teachings that make human effort necessary to gain things that are already ours through salvation in Jesus Christ. He sends a good report of the health of someone who had been very ill but has now recovered and is anxious to return to Philippi. And finally, he urges two members of the church in Philippi, women who were most likely lay leaders who were in the midst of a disagreement, to talk it out. Peter knew them both and knew them to be quality people. He wanted them to come to an agreement so that the unity of the church would not be compromised. It is evident in every verse how much love and respect he has for the folks of the church in Philippi, 
and how grateful he is that God had put them together. This is no ordinary letter. It's not special because of what I've told you that it contains. It is special to me because of what it doesn't contain. You see, this letter was written from his cell while he was in prison in Rome. After he had left Philippi, he continued his missionary and church planning work. He continued to face fierce opposition from those who didn't like his message. Ultimately, he was brought before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court in Jerusalem, where he was condemned as a heretic. He appealed his case to Caesar in Rome, and after a difficult journey that included a shipwreck, he found himself in a Roman prison for doing nothing more than carrying out the calling that God had placed on his life. But throughout this letter, he never encouraged them to start a letter-writing campaign. He never called on them to overthrow the government. He never demanded his rights. He never complained about the unjust circumstances that he was enduring. Instead, he wrote with joy and hope as one who viewed his circumstances through the lens of who he knew Christ to be. Everywhere he went, whether by his own choice or as a prisoner, he saw opportunities to share the gospel. In the first chapter, starting at verse 12, he says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. What a testimony! What faith! What joy there is when we view our circumstances through the lens of who we can know Christ to be if we will accept His gracious offer of forgiveness and commit our lives to His service. Thanks for listening to this Introduction to Philippians. Next week, I'll get into the actual book. We'll start in chapter 1 and cover the first 26 verses. You might want to read ahead and be prepared. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe or if you would tell a friend about this podcast and maybe get them listening. And if you're feeling really kindly, maybe if you'd leave a nice review, that would be awesome and I would appreciate it so much. All right, God bless and we'll see you next week.